people will pay and you might get less people paying you know buying the rugby and pella knickers than you get primark but there is a market for every single one and some people will buy the primark knickers for certain you know times and others will for other times and somewhere in the middle and we you know we'll all have like our best knickers and our because it's how it makes us feel when we wear them Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Emma Clayton. Emma is a business strategist, multi-award winning marketer and gender pay gap expert. She's on a mission to change the lives of all self-employed and entrepreneurial women by closing the 43%, yes, you heard that right, 43% entrepreneurial gender pay gap and creating greater financial independence for them in the generations behind. Now, this is a number that I just mentioned to Emma off air. This number really, really struck me because we all know about the gender pay gap in corporate and we all understand that. And we almost blame that on the patriarchy and the old boys clubs and all those kinds of things. But the gender pay gap in entrepreneurial women being 43% really shocked me because after all, we're in charge of what we charge and we're in charge of the profit our business makes and we're in charge of the take home that we get. So Emma, help us here how on <laughs> earth is this happening oh gosh it's a deep complicated web of reasons there is no one solution and i think that's why it has gone untackled but the biggest problem is that no one is aware of it and yeah, no one's talking absolutely. about it it's a little bit like all of these things you know the underbellies they sort of go on until somebody says hang on a second this is wrong um, and when you project that number forward yeah. into the future, there is a ticking time bomb about to happen for women of my generation. The average yeah. self-employed woman is my age, 46. Yeah. And so, you know, when we've got 20 years before, you know, standard retirement, retirement yeah. there, you know, there is no such thing as too late. You can start to, to you know, really change the course of your financial future mm -hmm. but the pension the state pension is not enough yeah. for us to live on we all know that and so yeah. people will have mortgages and savings and then when you look at the stats for self-employed women only a third of self-employed women can access mortgages so they don't have the house to fall wow. back on we're mm. not saving because of that gap we're not saving enough money into pensions or investments so we're going to hit this point in time and state pension will not cover us and mm. we don't have any of those assets built up because we've we been paying ourselves too little in the previous however many years yeah because if you're in corporate they pay in a pension it's compulsory now yeah not compulsory when you're self-employed so there's all of these different complicated things so there's there's that patriarchal sort of mm. thing that nobody said hang on there's all these mm. women now, we don't have enough female entrepreneurs in the business, in the country. We are losing a billion pound a year to the economy just by not having enough women. That was in the Rose Report mm. of 2018. But what is also happening is that we're still in this culture of breadwinner homemaker. Yes. And so women are leaving. We've never had so many women leave 
the workforce as we have in the last few years, especially in the pandemic. Yeah. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're having this dual role. And so they're leaving and saying, well, I'll be part time or I'll mm. just take this freelance or consulting job and I'll just make do mm. when actually they've got so much experience that they don't have to just make do. But it's yeah. almost the trade off in their mind of pick the kids up from school earn money and what I want to do is say to people you can do that you can do both and I think with the you know that the the tug and the balance between kind of running a business and being the homemaker I think that that's something that has probably there probably is that sort of view that actually in years gone by the women were making kind of what they called pin money so it was like oh the woman's got a business but you know it's it's just a it's just her kind of little interest it's and it was almost downplayed historically if a woman had their own business and i suspect some of that is seeps into modern culture as well yeah absolutely and when women do set up their own business 90% of them are just that woman so they're they're not businesses they are freelancing consulting you know just dipping your toe in but not really having Mm -hmm. the commitment but there's so much more opportunity out there Mm -hmm. and it is possible I I managed to make a seven-figure business in two and a half years as a single parent and so I come from this real you know I don't say that to sort of show off in any way I do it from a real visceral if I can do this you can Mm -hmm. do this like there's nothing special about me other than you know I'm I've never been a fan of the patriarchal society that tells me I can't I always go hang on watch me so mm-hmm. anyone can do this and I think it's it's having the knowledge the education around how to do it so does it come down to with this gender pay gap in in entrepreneurship does it come down to the fact that women are sometimes often working less hours anyway because they are taking care of children as well or does it come down to when a woman is, you know, pitching for a contract or pricing her services, she is typically doing that at a lower rate to the rate a man is typically doing it? Or is it a mixture of mixture of those things? It's a mixture of both. So the difference between the gender pay gap and equality pay are similar but different. So equality pay is uh, in 1950 something, we had this Equality Pay Act Mm. for companies had to pay the same of a man and a woman doing the same job. Yes. That's not in Mm. self-employment. And that's the issue here. Whereas the gender pay gap is a bigger piece where Mm. actually it's like you say, the take home income of because women are working less hours less hours that yeah. piece in the self-employed is around that that 43% is that a woman will charge 43% less than a man for the same wow. job and probably do it as we know women do things very differently mm. you know in a more diligent collaborative collegiate way which as we know is sort of how businesses need to be steering towards to be successful you know we're in this era of community and collaboration Mm. for businesses and partnerships and supporting and and women have got those skills in droves so yeah it's heartbreaking to see really and in fact actually I had somebody I have I I have this daily but I had this is an example I got about three days ago 
And a woman said that she lost a contract and she pitched it in, I think it's about 750 quid. Mm -hmm. And she lost it to a guy that put it in at 6,000. And she's like, how did I not get chosen? And I was like, well, because you basically said, I'm rubbish. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes we are doing a disservice. And when I work with a lot of my clients, Mm -hmm. we put prices up, they're flabbergasted Mm -hmm. that the number of clients wanting to work with them increases because they are showing up powerfully with their self, you know, ability to, I hate the word self-worth attached yeah, to yeah. You are still worthy regardless. They're of showing you. up in their value, in the in value, value that they're providing. Totally aware yeah. of the results and outcomes that they can mm-hmm. give. And a lot of women will price themselves where they'll say, well, you know, I earned this much in my corporate job. Mm-hmm. So I just want to earn the same money, but a little bit more for tax. And I'm like, no, stop. Because the whole principle of being self-employed is you can set the prices, you can out-earn anything that you do in employment, totally yeah. out-earn it. And so we just need to think differently about how we price and position ourselves in the market when we come in. And nobody's teaching this. Yeah. You know, this isn't to, in any way, you know, make anyone feel guilty or shameful. Yeah. We're just not taught. Yeah, so, absolutely. And I think... It's, you know, this this is fascinating in itself because this 43% entrepreneurial gender pay gap is basically, is it almost wholly related to the mindset of the individual woman as opposed to anything else? I think there's some mindset issues in there, for sure. Mm. There's a lot of money blocks in there. There's a lot yes. of, you know, stories and narratives that we have around Mm. well nobody will pay that for me oh my gosh I would never pay that kind of money Mm -hmm. oh that's such a lot or you know and they think about it as a figure rather than Mm -hmm. the results so you know Mm -hmm. would you spend I mean don't forget as well that a lot of these women will be selling to other businesses very similar or more and so Mm -hmm. to say it's five thousand pound for a package of whatever it is freelance work client work coaching Mm -hmm. consulting whatever which are a lot of the main stays Mm -hmm. You know, if that then delivers results, so say you're a marketing consultant and you mm-hmm. go in and say, right, it's five grand to do your strategy and to look at your year's implementation. Yeah. If that then grows that business by another 100 and 150 grand, that five grand yeah. is a bargain. Yeah. So it's about mm-hmm. learning how do you position that five grand. So it's not five grand. Wow, this is so much money. Mm. I'm so proud. And we're almost yeah. yeah. And almost yeah. It's going to say that exactly. Almost apologising for your pricing. It's like, yeah. This is five grand, and this is going to give you another hundred and fifty grand in your business. Like this mm. is a bargain. In fact, actually, if if somebody that I work with is creating one hundred and fifty grand in someone else's business, I'd be saying you need ten percent of that. So yeah. I'd be fifteen grand package. But yeah. we have this. Oh well, it just takes me you know a couple of days to do it so you know that that wouldn't feel right and it's almost we have to erase that narrative mm-hmm. I had another amazing client and she's so good at what she does and she mm-hmm. said oh well I charge by the hour mm-hmm. and uh, she said it's it's really good value for my clients there because I can get it done in half the time as anyone else and I said well then you're screwing yourself because yeah. like you you're not you're not getting paid for the expertise and any efficiencies she makes in her business are actually to her own detriment as well so if you are charging by the hour or for time Mm. and you are amazing what you're doing can do it quicker like you are really creating your own Mm. a rod for your own back yeah this is so so fascinating to me 
I love the story that you told about the 750 pound versus the three grand pitch, because I know that I have gone to service providers to get something done and I have gone, oh, they're really cheap. Maybe, maybe they're not as good as I thought they were. Maybe their stuff they put on social media is a bit hyped up and actually they're not that great. And that is purely based on the fact that one person has quoted me significantly less than I expected from it. And so I suspect this happens quite a lot from people. And though, although, you know, I would never say price the same as your competition, you do need to be aware of what the market charges generally for the type of thing you deliver. And and clearly in this instance, actually as women, we need to be aware of what men in the market typically charge and not just surveying our other female friends as to what they charge. Because clearly with this 43%, that can give us an incredibly skewed view of what we might start kind of thinking about as our sort of ballpark starting figure. Yeah. When I work with clients, the first question that I ask them is, are you average? And they Mm. go, no. And I go, okay, well, tell me about your pricing in the market. Are you cheap, middle, expensive? Where are you? And they go, oh, you know, I'm cheap to middle. And I go, okay, so your prices aren't even average. They're below average. So you're above average in your skill, but your prices are below average. And they go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. So it's really fascinating that we really downplay ourselves and we kind of just pluck a figure we'd be happy with rather than what we should be getting. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, if we were pricing ourselves that way, we wouldn't need to work as often. Mm -hmm. And we could do the part time. You know, we could still get the money that we had in corporate and work part time. So, I mean, it's just a different reframe. One of the things that I always use as an example is it's like the commodity thinking. And I used to work in corporate as a, I used to do lots of different things. It was always in marketing roles, marketing director, launch, et cetera. And I used to, so our biggest client was the NHS and we know the NHS has got, like they're so cash strapped, like you, yeah. they're literally doing things, you know, pennies. Mm-hmm. And we were selling these really high value medicines in a very cash strap. So we had to find all of these benefits that people would, you know have these value propositions and I learned really quickly how to do an amazing value proposition and it's about putting in all of those benefits that's more than a commodity so if I can just share this with you probably take a few minutes but if you think about like a massive commodity for a woman is a pair of knickers like we all wear them or (laughs) most of us wear them I'm thinking most of the listening are yeah, they're all shapes and sizes, but we all wear knickers. We all have, you know, more than one pair, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And it's a commodity. You know, they do the same thing. It doesn't really matter where you get them from. Mm-hmm. But if you think about, you know, if you just go to Primark, you can get a pack of knickers that are probably a quid each, mm-hmm. you know, five for a fiver. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to, you know, Boo Avenue, you know, they start to become like £2.50 a pair mm-hmm. or, you know, a bit more. And then you go to Pink and they're like, 10 11 pound a pair mm-hmm. you go to selfridges they become like 30 odd pound a pair and then if you go like up to rigby and Pella, where the queen gets her knickers they like mm-hmm. go on there they're over 100 pound a pair and people are buying them yeah 
So that shows that even with a pair of knickers, I mean, like the material is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't like they don't in price get bigger. The material, yeah. in some cases, it gets yes, smaller. Yeah. You know, like little tiny thongs or whatever. Mm. But this, but it just goes to show that people will pay, and you might get less people paying. You know, buying the Rigby and Pella knickers than mm. you get Primark. But there is a market for every single one, and some people mm -hmm. will buy the Primark knickers for certain, you know, times and others will for other times and somewhere in the middle. And we, you know, we'll all have like our best knickers and our, mm -hmm. because it's how it makes us feel when we wear them. And, mm. um, you know, you don't go around going, oh, I've got my Rigby and Pella knickers on. Do you want to have a look? You know, <laughs> it's how you feel as a person. Mm. And it's about creating that emotional connection with what you do so that you can charge the Rigby and Pella prices, especially if mm. you are an above average, you know, skill set and you've mm. worked in corporate a long time or you've had your own business a long time. And now all of this knowledge you're going to start sharing it's just a way to think about emotional benefits over that commoditization. And a lot of women price themselves as a commodity. Mm. Do you think that women in general are more scared to charge, in some instances, to charge more for fear that they won't meet the expectations of the end person and therefore that will create them problems i'm thinking of a of a situation that i heard years ago and it was it was in relation to a situation in corporate where it said typically if there's a job advert out there and a woman reads the job ad and she doesn't go for the job because she goes, oh, I can only do about 80% of things on that list. Like, I can't do them all. I best not go for that one. Like, that's clearly too much for me. Whereas a man will read the list and they'll go, oh, I can do 50% of that stuff. So that'll be fine. I'll go for that job. And I suspect there's similar things happening with women's pricing that actually they're scared that should they put the prices up, they'll have a client that said, well, you weren't worth five grand and they'll get that kind of negative pushback. hundred percent. So it was, it was came from a study that Hewlett Packard did actually. Okay. It was, I don't know if it was the 80s, 90s. And they surveyed women and men about this job mm -hmm. application. And you're right. And it was women wouldn't, you know, if the, if the men had 60%, they went for it. The women yeah. would only go for it if she had 90, 100%. Yes. Yeah. And it is, it's a fear. It, and that's why women have got this perfectionist mm. sort of approach to something because they have this fear underneath. And there's so many fears. There's fears of rejection. Mm. There's fears of almost being too successful because if yeah. I'm successful, then it means I've got to work really, really hard and I've got to be perfect and I've got to give extra and I don't if I can. Or mm -hmm. there's also then the fear of failure that, you know, I, I'm not good enough. And that's a big, big one. For those that have left corporate, there's the fear of judgment. You know, what will my ex-colleagues think that are still on the old salary? And I'm saying that I'm, you know, doubling almost what I'm doing and who they're going to think, who does she think she is now? And Or there's the fear of, you know, what their family might think as well. And sometimes that fear of success as well is around, you know, they fear that they're going to be successful, have more money and then lose those relationships around them and women just desperately want to be in community it's a tribal thing mm. we want to fit in we want to belong we want to be part of everything and suddenly if we say hey I'm different because I'm earning more mm. we feel like suddenly we're going to be rejected from that community and belonging so there's a 
subconscious fear that suddenly it's going to change who we are and you know you hear all the time you know the rich bitch or you know the people that you know are portrayed as having money they're portrayed as you know suddenly becoming a bitch and, mm. and so there's all of that going on as well where women are like well I don't want to become that person I'm just really happy being the mum and you know I just want to work up because I don't want to change and I don't want to lose my position in my community so mm. there's so much going on underneath and it's just been able to sort of work with it and and understand what is going on and just empower women around money and you know we're not having enough conversations about money yeah you know you you sit with your mates and your I mean I used to be in a book club and we, and we didn't read many books actually we just <laughs> didn't talk we'd occasionally read a book yeah. but you know all of these groups where women get together or go to the pub go to spa days whatever the topic of conversation is generally kids yeah. partners you know, you can talk about you know, your sex life really openly. You get in competition about the trauma of the childbirth. Yes. We never talk about money. Mm. We don't yeah. talk about how much we earn. We don't talk about anything to do with that. We just, it's like a very, un, you know, British thing that we just yeah. steer. And I think it's rude. That's it's rude. That's what we get told. It's rude to talk about money. Don't talk about money or politics. It's rude. And it's greedy and it's self-indulgent mm -hmm. and it's yeah. shallow. Mm -hmm. And again, in community, you want to fit in. You don't want to be asked. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be seen as that kind of person. So yeah. we don't talk about money. I think that's the biggest thing is talking about money. Because if you go, how much do you earn or how much do you earn? Mm -hmm. It starts to normalize. Yeah. Because you go, oh, hang on. Maybe I need to be asking for more. Or Yeah. So you'll see self-employed women talk about money a little bit more mm. but we're still uncomfortable yeah and also like we like we kind of touched on before too if you're only talking to other self-employed women about it you've basically created an echo chamber for yourself yeah. which keeps you all in that 43 percent entrepreneurial gender pay gap as well so yeah. also extending those conversations to men and other males in your industry that are running businesses is probably a pretty important step too to actually go oh wait hang on what you you charge what you're charging the six grand and I'm quoting the 750 how is that happening yeah absolutely that's exactly mm. it and as women we tend to get locked in women's groups because only yes. the women understand that you know we've got the homemaking and the business, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's really good to go out and equalize and listen to, you know, what guys are doing and follow guys that are doing similar things and see what their pricing, you know, is at. Um, and and don't go, oh, hang on a minute. Who does he think he is? Think, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe I need to level up here because the only people we're hurting here is ourselves and our business. But we're actually, it's the generation behind us. So I have a 13 year old daughter and I want her to know that you know she doesn't have to do the traditional school a levels university corporate job mm -hmm. you know I want her to learn entrepreneurial skills now and be able to access that should she want to because you can create so much more wealth and financial freedom by breaking some of these narratives and and the patriarchal system again and the patriarchal system doesn't work because we can see already corporates don't really give to working mothers. You know, and in the pandemic, 
we saw that. And I think the pandemic did do some good things for us because Mm -hmm. working from home and the flexibility. And we proved that we work more diligently at home. We're not skiving, watching Mm. this morning and whatever else is on, which is what people used to think when you are, you're working from home today. So yeah, yeah, you won't really. So I think it's done a favor where we all now have had a taste of it, but Mm -hmm. I still think, you know, there's not enough women at the top in companies there's not yeah. enough women in business you know we just we just need to give them all a bit of a push forward and and we need to change this because that divergent thinking of having you know male and female brain together mm. solving problems and moving things in corporate is profound but you know we can't lose the greatness that we bring as women to our clients i wonder too if some of these discussions also um start at home as well if you are in a relationship and you're running a business you know how does your partner actually view that business did they view it as a pin money business did they view your business stuff as oh yeah whatever she's just doing this around the kids or are they viewing it as okay this is a route to our financial freedom as a family And I think that probably also impacts how women are pricing and treating the money in their own business too, because if they're getting these messages at home as well, that actually your business isn't financially contributing really to our family, it's still the one that is solely or, you know, 98% responsible for keeping the household, picking up the kids, doing the after-school clubs, making sure the uniforms are washed, all that stuff then actually I think it makes it harder as well for the woman in the household to, obviously I'm assuming, you know, two heterosexual male-female relationship here that's a a kind of 2.4 children life and not everyone leads that. But I suspect in that situation, that comes into play as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, regardless of 2.4 I think it's around regardless I I mean I've always been successful in mm-hmm. my business and my brother is incredibly supportive of me and he's mm. you know a mad entrepreneur as well not mad mm. as in crazy mad but you know really successful entrepreneur yeah to be careful in case he watches this and um <laughs> it's really interesting because on Boxing Day I was talking to my nieces about exactly mm. this and they were like oh this is amazing this you know this is so right you know all my all my friends that are boys now are starting to become feminists and we're starting mm. to see this sort of change in the younger generation but my okay. brother really interestingly said oh yeah so I did a talk at the girls school it was a bit of a boys talk but you know you could go in and talk about you know gender pay gap which is my big campaign for the year and I said oh interestingly what was your boys talk and he said oh you know just how to set up an eight nine figure business so So the boys are learning about that but the girls are not yeah but also to think it's even a boys talk and I'm sitting here going hello I'm teaching women how to do the same thing so why why yeah so and that is in my family where they're supporting me so imagine mm-hmm. if it's in a family where they're not supporting and you know he he hands up went oh my god I am part of the problem the person you are is from the five people you surround yourself with mm-hmm. the most and if those people are you know not necessarily understanding or supportive or encouraging you and lifting you up you know I think it's probably you know you don't need to ditch those people but find yeah. somewhere where they are lifting you and inspiring you and creating that 
real motivation in you to up level and play bigger because when you get in those networks they are really powerful absolutely and they often That's say to you them. raise your prices they will all those networks as well yeah totally even me I mean I go out and I talk about this all the time I consider myself a bit of a pricing expert yeah. and even I sit and go maybe that's really too cheap yeah. <laughs> because I'm thinking about all the women that are starting that can't necessarily afford it so yeah. what I have done and which I would always encourage everyone is to have a price point for different people so have a price point for the Primark knickers a price point for the pink for the self you know for those people at different stages and different wealth points and and not to say that they will stay as a Primark knicker buyer but give them some aspiration to then become the Marks and Spencer's knicker buyer and that's it's the ladder of ascension of the different products and the more time that someone has of you the more expensive it is but how can you create a support for the clients that you want to support but that can't necessarily afford your time how can you do that and and that's like the starting point yeah, what we actually do in my business, in my accounting firm, is we have a price scale and it is basically based off the business's level of revenue because we know that a business under a certain size ultimately needs less support from us than a bigger business does. And so we scale it for revenue, which means that we can still support startups because there's a level they can come in that gives them what they need and makes sure their compliance is taken care of. But it also means we can support million pound plus businesses with the level of service that they then need when they start needing, you know, financial director support and all that kind of stuff. And we have scales in between. And I think that's a great way to be able to serve those people that, you once were because I think often we want to serve those people that we once were and we look at our pricing and we think I wouldn't have been able at that point in time to afford me therefore I don't want to be that person so I'm going to keep my prices lower yeah that's exactly what happens that's totally nail on that that's what we do we often say well I'm going to go back and help the people before me and when we lower the prices and we keep ourselves lower but actually you're right we should be thinking well what did I need at that point mm -hmm. I can create that doesn't need any of my time and so you know you're you're and also as those businesses grow or as needs grow of your clients they want more and more mm. support so you're right it is it's about creating and understanding the, the customer and their needs and what it is and being able to position and those products and and it is just thinking about you know the knicker scenario because people yeah. will pay mm. this is a commodity and you see the commodities all over you know you see it with cars you see it with you know the functional benefits a hotel you see it with plane journeys you know people will pay 10 grand for a flight when other people mm. are paying 300 yes. They are getting there, at, they're leaving at the same time and they are arriving yeah. at the same time. They all still have to queue for customs. Like they're yeah. all, the only and difference then, yeah. is the on the plane. Some people want to go to McDonald's. Some people want to go to Michelin. They're still getting yeah. fed. Yeah. And often those Michelins are like a hundred pounds for a plate of food that, you know, doesn't even fill a rabbit, you know, yeah. so. You have to go to McDonald's on the way home just to <laughs> top yourself yeah. up. And, you know, Stella McCartney never said, oh, hang on a minute, River Island have got a bag here that's the same mm -hmm. size as mine for three, you know, for 30 quid. Mm -hmm. God, no one's going to buy my £700 bag. She said, hang on, you, you know, you buy my £700 bag and you buy into these emotions of having a Stella mm -hmm. McCartney bag. And it's yeah. aspirational. 
it's the same size bag and it still holds the same amount of stuff. So it's just how we think mm. about ourselves within that. Market. Yeah, and I think I think that aspirational word, word is really interesting because I suspect lots of people watching and listening have entrepreneurs that they look up to or coaches, mentors, strategists, etc. that they look up to and they think, oh, I'd love one day to be able to afford to work with this person. And the thing is that no matter where you are in business, it is likely that somebody is thinking that about you as well. And that's completely okay for that to happen. You don't have to. Your inspirational entrepreneur that you look up to, you know, let's say it's, I don't know, Gary Vee. He's not suddenly going to say to you, oh, don't worry, Annette. You can pay me 50 quid for an hour of my time, even though I usually charge it at goodness knows what you might charge that that I don't know 500k because you know you're a small business and I feel a bit sorry for you and he doesn't do that and we don't need to either so true what he probably will do is think about how he can give you whatever it is that you need from him where he doesn't have to come and reduce his prices for you but he'll create something that you can buy for 50 quid that still helps you yeah Exactly, exactly. Emma, this has been a fascinating, fascinating discussion. Um, I am so, so pleased that I have my eyes opened to this 43% entrepreneurial gender pay gap. I am actually going to also go through all of our clients and compare based on gender and actually see what we can see from our side when it comes to... Oh, I'd to... love to know what you, what comes yeah. up. I'd really I, love to see that. I will definitely let you know, Emma, because I because this is just fascinating to me and something that I just did not focus on existed at all in the entrepreneurial sphere. So I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed learning about this and, and hearing about it. And as I say, I'm going to do some digging as well. Emma, why don't you let our listeners and viewers know where they can find out more about you and where you hang out online? So they can come find me on Instagram at Million Pound Mentor, or they can find me in LinkedIn as Emma Clayton Business Strategist. Amazing. And we'll also, for those that are listening on the podcast, we'll put those links in the show notes as well so that they will be there for people to click through. Emma, thank you so much again for joining me today. It really, really has been a great discussion and I have loved learning about this. So thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you got lots of value from this episode. Now, if you're struggling with any accounting things for your business, I'd love to help. Make sure you reach out to me at podcast at annetteandco.co.uk. That's podcast at annetteandco.co.uk and let me know how I can help. Of course, remember to subscribe to this podcast as well. Thanks again.